Welcome to America's Defense Communities, the podcast, a production of the Association of Defense Communities. I'm Randy Ford, editor of ADC's daily newsletter, On Base. In some ways, defense communities are like all other communities, and that includes growth. Communities want people and companies to invest, grow the economy, create jobs. But there's an extra consideration for defense communities. Who are these investors, and are they potentially a threat to national security, especially if they're looking to buy property near installations? Sometimes the lack of transparency raises red flags at the local and federal level. Earlier this year, ADC convened ADC Connect. It was a day-long event in DC on just this topic with federal officials, community leaders, and others. Today, we're gonna hear some of the conversation that took place that day. But first, we wanted to get a little background on how this topic has emerged in recent years. So I talked with Jill McClune. She's the U.S. General Counsel for Avon Protection Systems. She also co-chairs the ADC Federal Outreach and Advisory Council. Here's our conversation. I want to start by talking about, you know, the fact that this is something that has been going on for a while and it has been an issue, but it feels like in recent months and, and years, this is something that finally is getting public attention, something that ADC is working on and that, that lawmakers are paying attention to, too. What, what has caused that shift in public awareness? So I think there's two things. So the foundation for this conversation is a process called CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, and they review certain kinds of transactions. But it was really only several years ago that they amended the the Congress amended the legislation associated with CFIUS to specifically look at real estate and look at bases. So this concern and risk existed and was being monitored by the Pentagon and CFIUS generally. But the focus really was on technical technology acquisition, com- companies buying companies to s- essentially steal and and take our key technologies outside the United States. And they've now, we've come to realize that we have a very sophisticated set of bad actors who are interested in looking at using any tool in their disposal to try to get access to our military technology and our capability. Right. And so it's just become much more obvious. And I think I think if you look at statistically, people say still that it's only a couple of percent, let's say farmland in general. Some people have tried to determine, well, how much farmland could possibly have been acquired by these bad actors. It's still a really, really small percentage. But I think people are now aware enough with the change in legislation and the fact that CFIUS is now reviewing real estate transactions around defense communities that... We now have an opportunity to really look at this. And we've had a couple of situations like in Grand Forks and in Texas um, right. and now out in California that have kind of really got people talking. And, and you mentioned uh, CFIUS. So that's the, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. And that's the, the interagency at the federal level committee that looks at these and has reviewed them for a while. And like you said, now looking at real estate in addition to some of the other things that they were looking at. So then um, you and the, the ADC Federal Outreach Advisory Council decided this was something that, that we needed to talk about as a group. So how, how did this come together to do um, the ADC Connect that happened this year? So I think there's two factors. The first is that um, in a bit of kind of interesting irony, but we do represent most defense, ADC represents most defense communities in the country. And we happen to have a local member of Grand Forks on our board. And he 
brought up the fact that there's this whole thing called CFIUS. I don't really understand what it is. Our community is still trying to figure this out and how this played out in Grand Forks. I happen to be in a unique situation that I work for a British company and I have been in the Sophia space for my entire career, but on that technology side that we just mentioned earlier. And so we realized that there was a gap in knowledge here, that there was this issue for which there was some new regulations, there was more conversation, and there was only a handful of us within ADC who actually had any exposure to these processes in the past. And so a year ago or, or last November, we did a one-on-one on, on what is CFIUS to at least start having the conversation. Um, we did that again, plus another panel in March in our DC conference, International Defense Forum, and got a lot of really good positive conversation. And a lot of people really wanted to continue this dialogue um, because let's be honest, we think this process is really not working well for communities. And so we wanted to have this opportunity to have just a deep dive and edu- both educate the communities, but also really we, we had amazing attendance at the Connect from DOD, from CFIUS, from, from the key congressional committees. And it really provided this opportunity for everybody to hear from each other. And I think that's another example where ADC and its connections and relationships is able to pull people together, just have a dialogue. And we're continuing to have that dialogue. And we're still trying to figure out what's the best way we can help communities going forward. If there are some facts on the ground that that do concern a community member, what what is their first call? Who, who do they need to contact? The different services are taking slightly different approaches at the moment on how they support this issue. ADC is working with DOD in hopes of trying to create some clear directions of recommendations on who to contact and how to contact. And we're still working on that. Um, But ultimately I would start with the installation. And if they do have advisors who are making it very clear to them that the trans, if the transaction proceeds, it's likely to be governed by CFIUS. Um, CFIUS has a hotline and you can go directly onto their website um, and do it uh, directly on their website and they will uh, initiate an investigation. They might not be able to tell you an answer. Um, I, I will like to hesitate. A lot of people, um, I think the frustration of the CFIUS process is it's private and confidential. And so the community might not hear back, but the fact is that the community brought it up and that's what's important. And uh, this is going to be a topic coming up at um, at Installation Innovation Forum. You're going to have those conversations with people as well. Yes. And, and I personally look forward to people coming and finding me. This is an area of personal interest to me. We're having lots of dialogue on this and I'm and hearing from lots of different people on this. And we definitely think Congress is interested in considering the concerns and the challenges that communities are having in this space. And the more we hear from people about specific situations or how their community or the state is handling these things, um, the more that ADC and the FOAC can come together and try to develop either training or guidance, or work with DOD and CFIUS in providing tool sets that can help communities going forward. That was Jill McClune from Avon Protection Systems and the ADC Federal Outreach and Advisory Council. Now let's hear from some of what we heard at the ADC Connect event that focused on this topic. First, we'll hear from a community that went through this. So my name's Tom Ford, I'm Grand Forks County Director of Administration, so Grand Forks, North Dakota, uh, home of Grand Forks Air Force Base, Grand Sky. So w- what I'm gonna do is just tell you a little story. 
of what the what the Grand Forks community experienced a, a couple of years ago and, and going through the process. But a few foundational uh, items first before we get into the story is the city of Grand Forks had a, 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 an opportunity to bring a significant economic development project to Grand Forks. Uh, and it, it was called the Fufeng USA. It would be a, a corn milling plant and very, very significant development opportunity. And that being said, before 2022, I don't think anyone in Grand Forks had ever heard of CFIUS. Also, to, to tell the story, you got to understand a little bit about the, uh, the geography of, of Grand Forks, the county, and Grand Forks Air Force Base. So the base is 19 miles west of the county's largest city, which is Grand Forks. And Grand Forks is about 58,000 people. The county as a whole is 70,000 people. In, in the center of the county, geographically, is, is Grand Forks Air Force Base. So it's, it's, a, it's considered a rural base. Grand Forks Air Force Base, home of ISR, home of cyber missions, communication missions, uh, space development agency is there. We have Grand Sky that's about to uh, uh, have some, some action with testing resource management center and, and hypersonic missile testing. So a lot of cool stuff goes on at Grand Forks Air Force Base. Never, never did anyone in Grand Forks uh, expect to be thrust into the, into the national spotlight over an economic development project. So the issues uh, that surround this experience is the city was presented with an $800 million economic development opportunity, which that's significant uh, to a county of 70,000 people. It, it didn't. It started out as project under a code name, Project PNE, because there was competition going on, and, and Grand Forks became a finalist and then uh, was awarded the project. There, it, it, the project did create anxiety within within the community. It, it, it under the ownership in the name. It did cause tension among community members. It it caused tension among in, institutional partners government partners, but in a lot of, un I'd say a lot of unfair treatment of, of city officials. The, yes, dis disagreement is natural, but I, I'd say what we saw because of this was just uh, an embarrassing to be part of a community and how, how some of these people treated uh, city officials and economic development officials. So it caused a lot of strain. The city had obviously a development contract with, with which had certain criteria that had to be met. So it's a, a regular agreement contract. You can't just turn it off and, and walk away because you don't like the way they comb their hair that day. Uh, some of those triggers that had to be met were certain environmental triggers, uh, uti certain utility connections happening, and of course national security was was built into into the the contract, the development agreement. And the city the city officials couldn't just break it without uh, one of those triggers happening. And and there there was the foresight by the city to have national security as as a concern. The Fufang USA voluntarily submitted to the CFIUS review. Like I said, we'd never heard of CFIUS until this time. And, and the community really relied on CFIUS, relied on CFIUS to determine if there was any risk to Grand Forks and, and the mission at Grand Forks Air Force Base. The, the came back that no, Grand Forks Air Force Base is not in the CFIUS jurisdiction. Hopefully by, by mid-July we will be as a highly sensitive base, but they ruled no jurisdiction, and so that box could not be checked um, by the city in, in their development agreement with the private entity. So walking away would have been a breach of contract on the city's part. The, the, other, the other issue, it was really a struggle for the community, uh, community leaders, uh, county, city, is once CFIUS is invoked, there's, there's silence. There's, there's no more communication, right? So there was a lot of apprehension. You know, there couldn't be communication with the installation. There couldn't be communication with our MAGCOM. 
uh, because the CFIUS review was, was in process. And, and it, the silence feeds the fire. It, it fuels some of the, the naysayers. It, it fuels some of the anxiety and the animosity. So when I can appreciate when Mr. Burke said, do as much communication as upfront as you, you possibly can, because once CFIUS happens, it's, it's silence. So again, CFIUS said, not our jurisdiction. The, the, the Air Force came after and, and submitted a letter to, to city and, and county officials saying that, that this project does pose some national security risk. And you know, the, the, the mayor, Mayor Bochinski, who's, who's here today, he always said all along, if the Air Force says this is a problem, we will shut this project down. I think two hours, not even two hours after the letter was publicized, Mayor Bochinski was quoted saying, the project's done, we're walking away. The next city council meeting, the city council said, we're done, we're walking away. So they, they, kept, they kept their word, they acted accordingly. As you heard, the federal organization that looks into these investments is an interagency team called the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, or CFIUS. To better understand CFIUS, let's hear some of Ike Blanton's remarks at ADC Connect. He leads the Policy and Engagement Division of the Global Investment and Economic Security Directorate. In this next clip, you'll also hear from Jim Harris. He's a senior policy advisor at the U.S. Department of Treasury. Well, the, the CFIUS committee, uh, as the title indicates, is a committee. And you have nine permanent agencies involved in this, and decisions have to be made at a fairly high level, assistant secretary level. So the goal is to focus the committee's attention on the highest risk cases. Um, obviously, we can't review every single case of uh, foreign investment in the United States, and we wouldn't want to for risk of, of breaking the process. It's really set up as a last resort authority. It's quite an extraordinary national security authority. If you look at the policy in the, uh, the executive order from 2008, it's pretty clear. It says that we will unequivocally support international investment consistent with national security. So we talk about the balance sometimes, but in reality, we, are, we assume that it's going to bring jobs and, it, and, and economic benefit. So what we focus on with some discipline are the national security elements. So we're looking at uh, a risk-based analysis that drives everything, how we, any kind of action we take going forward. Our role in reviewing real estate transactions can include any type of coverage that we have. So if there is a, I'll just run through them briefly. Our traditional authority has to do with a foreign person acquiring control of a U.S. business. So if we have jurisdiction to review that, we can consider proximity cases. And historically, we have uh, referred several of those cases to the president to, to block those transactions for a number of reasons, but one of them is these cases tend to be a challenge to mitigate. So, so they're fairly serious when they arise. We also have new authority under what they call FIRMA, which was a reform act in 2018, the, the Foreign Investment Risk Review Modernization Act, uh, which provides supplemental authority. So now we can review some transactions that don't result in control, but they're still non-passive. And those are, have to do with specific sectors, uh, critical infrastructure, critical 
technologies and sensitive personal data. And then finally, we have specific real estate authority, whereas before any kind of greenfield investment was not part of our jurisdiction, but now we can look at certain real estate investments, not, not the whole United States, but it's uh, with respect to uh, certain sensitive government facilities. Yeah, and just a couple of things to add from the Department of Defense perspective. From the committee perspective, so the committee does have nine members. Uh, DOD is just one of those members. Uh, a couple of, you know, just fine points on that. DOD, uh, it, so when a case comes into CFIUS or is notified to the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, uh, it is usually assigned at least one lead agency, if not multiple lead agencies. DOD is the lead agency on about two-thirds of the cases that come in. So just to give you some perspective on uh, the, the committee and the workload within the committee. Uh, the committee also includes uh, cases that do go to Department of Homeland Security, Department of Energy, and others, but DOD represents uh, the vast majority of cases that come into the committee. And I think we can see why. From you know a land use or uh, a proximity perspective, DOD is going to have the most equities in any of those types of cases. From a technology perspective, uh, DOD is going to have significant equities in that because a lot of technology that we talk about today, especially, is going to be inherently dual use or used both in a commercial perspective but also in a military perspective. So uh, in, in many of these areas, DOD is at the forefront of reviewing these cases. So when we look at it, case, we review it from the risk-based analysis perspective, and we look at risk as a totality of the threat, uh, the vulnerability, and the consequence. And the threat either comes directly from the acquiring company itself or through third parties acting through the acquiring company. And the vulnerability is like how they would, how that threat would uh, execute uh, that itself, like how how it would work, right? Like so, in the case of proximity, closeness to uh, a military facility, that would be uh, either acquiring information, consistent surveillance, uh, things things along those lines. And then the the consequences. Okay, so assuming the threat is there, and assuming the vulnerability is real, and uh, uh, is it the information somehow taken? What is the consequence of that information, right? If it is uh, if it is a weather report that is publicly displayed two hours later and we just get it two hours before, the, the, the consequence is probably relatively low, right? But if it is, you know, I don't, uh, this is not accurate, but like if it's like the nuclear codes like uh, that are transmitted, uh, that, that is much higher consequence, right? So it's, the, these things are on a spectrum when it comes to that perspective. We, we don't transmit nuclear codes that way, so <laughs> just to be clear. So uh, with that, as we review the cases, we, we take into account the totality of these circumstances and are very rigorous with our uh, analysis based on the threat, the vulnerability, and the consequence to ensure that we have a good understanding of the threat to national security. Of course, at ADC, we always want to understand the role defense communities play in this review process and how we as an association can ensure communities maintain a role in these decisions that impact them and their installations. Here's George Schlossberg. He's a partner at Kutak Rock and ADC's general counsel. I'm going to try and narrow the conversation a little and, you know, in the interest of time, just focus on what is the role of a community in the, in the overall issue we're, we're dealing with, um, and specifically in the real estate area. 
Uh, I agree very much that you know local governments, cities, counties, states, which is the heart of what the Association of Defense Communities is. You know, we're partners with the military installations within the within the jurisdictions, and but there is a new role that is being called into for those local communities in the real estate world. I mean, to a large degree, the local governments are now the first responders in the CFIUS process you know, for the United States. I mean, we partner, communities partner on housing, utilities, and, and other items. Local communities have multiple you know, imperatives, multiple roles. I mean, local economic development, attracting jobs, investment, interest of those sorts, financing into the community is a traditional role for a local government. And, you know, to a certain degree, it creates tension now if you're attracting a business and you're vetting them for financial viability and jobs, you're also now, to some degree, you need to focus on who owns the business, who financed the business, what are the components that the business is intends to install in the real estate development, and, and, and this is not you know, something that you know, local governments traditionally have done in the past from the national security point of view. So I think the partnership is, is absolutely vital. And it was pointed out earlier, you know, it, it, it's typically a voluntary process. And, you know, and Dan, I, I where, where is Dan? I, I, you know, we had a conversation. I said I was gonna raise my, my, my gas station question. And, 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 and the answer is local government in a rural area you know, that has a small planning department, a small permitting department, you know, and someone, you know, submits a building permit or a zoning permit to build a gas station, you know, 75 miles away from, you know, you know, in a, to a sensitive military installation, which becomes a covered real estate transaction. What is their obligation for the one person in the permit department there, I, I just, you know, I, I, I understand the need and the obligation, but what's the training that's available? What's the notice that's going out to the country that these things are happening now? You know, if, uh, you know, mom and pop gas station corporation asks for the permit, do we need to find out exactly the nationality of all the owners, where the lending comes from, and whether they've got Chinese chips in their gas pumps. I, I, and, I, and I think these are valid questions that, that we have to do, but there's, you know, does it change if the gas station is being built right outside the front gate, 10 miles away, 20 miles away? I mean, there, there are, these are legitimate issues in education and training at the local government level, I think is, is necessary. But if we're gonna, if we're gonna hold them if we're going to make the permit guy, you know, in a rural county, the first responder, we got to let him know it's part of his job, his or her job, and we got to know what the standards are. And if every single permit application be, you know, becomes a voluntary submission to CFIUS, you're going to drown them. 
Um, so there, there needs to be some, some sort of threshold analysis. So from a, a local governmental community point of view, I, I, I think that um, we just need to focus on what do we need to know, what do we need to do, and, you know, and how can we best cooperate um, with our partner? Because um, we, you know, there, you know, there have been, you know, unfortunate circumstances where the issues have clashed, and and you know, how is the how is the Defense Department going to respond? Um, you know, it's it's if they don't if they don't force divestiture, which is an option, you know, under the CFIUS process. Um, every one of the communities that has a military installation is very focused on protection of that military installation because those are jobs, good jobs in the community, a valuable component. And will that gas station outside the fence line come up in the next strategic basing review? You know, when the Air Force decides where to put the next tranche of tankers or bombers, and there's a gas station. I mean, at, at what point does it come in? There, I, I think it's the lack of knowledge and certainty. And I realize that this is a brand new process, and it is evolving. But but those are the questions that I think that you know certainly in this group with the, you know in these communities with the Defense Department and CFIUS, and we need to provide training, teaching what is expected. And what are the what, what what is expected and how it will turn out and and that's all I just wanted to set the stage from a community point of view from an ADC point of view. The military services and federal agencies are ramping up their efforts to confront this issue. Here's Dan Burke. He works on foreign investment risk review at the Air Force and Space Force. We had, before we started, you kind of gave me a little update on what you're planning to do to increase education for commanders. Maybe you might want to share that. Yes, I, I think I mentioned that earlier about the, uh, oh, uh, as we roll out the playbook, uh, getting in front of the new wing commanders, going through the wing commanders course, educating them instead of doing it after they get out there. We want them to be informed before they get out there. Uh, because, I mean, quite frankly, uh, most of the wing commanders I've talked to that are in their positions today, they know nothing about CFIUS, and they didn't even know about activity that's happening there in their area of responsibility, and nor, in most cases, neither do the civic leaders in certain areas as well. So we're helping to educate, collaborate, so that way people can bring things of potential concern to our attention, you know, such as those gas stations, you know, so, so that way we can get out in front of it and collaborate, and then... Th also at the same time educate because we need to educate not only just the civic leaders but we need to educate the public so because they're our first responders we can't do this all by ourselves we don't know what's out there going on on the ground you know you you have law enforcement out there all the time 24 7 looking for criminal activity and you know being first responders to lend help you know in, in emergency situations well you guys are kind of our eyes and ears our law enforcement out there to notify us if there is potential foreign investment activity that could be a potential concern so uh, you know that's where we really need to partner with more aggressively you can read more from the ADC Connect event at defensecommunities.org connect. That's defensecommunities.org connect. This will also be a discussion topic at the upcoming Installation Innovation Forum ADC is hosting in Orlando, November 6th through 8th. You can learn more about that at installationinnovation.org. 
America's Defense Communities, the podcast, is a production of the Association of Defense Communities, online at defensecommunities.org. That's also where you can sign up for our daily on-base newsletter that tracks this topic and other stories that affect defense communities. This episode was produced and mixed by Mark Parrott and written by Mark Parrott and Randy Ford. Thanks for listening.